We're thankful for that special music as it warms our heart and invites us to worship the Lord while they're getting a seat. Let me just also say one other announcement that next Saturday be putting out some mulch and stuff around the church. Love you to come and do that. Also, uh, we have quite a few of the metal folding chairs and we will um, have someone down at uh, our transportation building. If you'd like to go purchase those, I believe those are $5 a piece, Franklin. And uh, he'll be down there from 8 to 12 next Saturday if you'd like to purchase some. Some of you have already gotten some of those, and uh, uh, they're sturdy chairs. I want to read this morning from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verses 7 through 15 together. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there... The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that they might have equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, in their plenty, will supply what you need. The gold is equality, as it is written The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. May God bless the reading and the hearing of this precious and holy word. I love that concept, the grace of giving. For that's what it's talking about here in this passage, isn't it? That as we're able to be givers of what God has blessed us with, that he was gracious to us, and what he's calling us to do in this passage is to be gracious to others. And he's asking, particularly these congregations, to be gracious one to the other as they were struggling. There is real grace in our giving, would you not agree? I think that um, all around us we see that and it touches our hearts. Maybe we should... um, talk as that minister who was pastor of a little country church who was having trouble with collections in the church and one Sunday he announced, now before we pass the collection plate, I would like to request that the person who stole the chickens from Brother Martin's hen house please refrain from giving any money to the Lord. The Lord doesn't want your money from a thief. The collection plate was passed around, and for the first time in months, everybody gave. 
I'm sure that most of us have heard that term oxymoron, and it simply means uh, pointedly foolish. In other words, a lot of times you put together two concepts that just don't match up with one another, oxymorons. I think that there are a lot of those that's, that's mentioned. Sometimes you hear them on TV and you think, well, they're talking about this and uh, they'll say something like it's bad, good. Those two things don't go together, do they? Um, those of you who follow country music uh, certainly know this lady, Dolly Parton. She once said, you'd be surprised how much it costs to look cheap. That's an oxymoron. Paul wants to tell his believers here in the Corinthian church about the incredible spiritual work that God is doing in the Macedonian church. And he says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in them rich generosity. That seems like in the Bible even a oxymoron, that those things don't go together, or maybe we wouldn't think of them as going together. In the midst of severe trials, that they have this overflowing joy, their extreme poverty has welled up in them, it says, a rich generosity. We don't think that way, do we? That would be an oxymoron for us. The Macedonian believers were undergoing a very difficult time, experiencing uh, trials that they had maybe never seen before, and yet he found in them a real joy that went beyond their circumstances that they were a part of. What did the Macedonian believers know that we don't know, we may be asking this morning? Well, the Reverend Gary Whittingham who was former rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Billings, Montana, tells of serving in a church in a rural community many years ago. One Christmas, after they had uh, packed up all their Christmas packages and bags to be able to give out, they realized they had some food that was still there, and they wanted to give it to a needy family. And so somebody said, well, I think you could go to this family and give it to them. They would really appreciate it. They're, they're on pretty hard times, and they struggle. They, they live on real margins. And so the pastor got the food together and started out to this lady's house. And on the way out there, he was thinking, well, how can I preserve their dignity and not be offensive to them and make them look bad by giving them food? And so when he arrived at the family's house, The mother opened the door and her children were all gathered around her side. And Reverend Weddingham explained the situation, asked, Do you know of anyone who could use some extra food? And the mother said, You bet I do. And she put on her coat. And they took that food to another family. You see, there was a richness of generosity in that woman's life as she realized there were others around her that were in more need even than she was. In 1847, during that great famine in Ireland, the Shotok tribe here in the United States raised $147. Now that that would be equivalent to about $5,000 today. 
this tribe uh, certainly wasn't rich uh, back then, but they were very generous. And they saw others in need, and they sacrificed themselves so that they could help that need that they saw in another part of the world. In 2020, in response to the COVID-19 deaths in the Navajo Nation, the Choctaw and Hopi tribes set up a GoFundMe page to help with water needs and medical supplies for the Native Americans. Donations to the fund flooded in from people in Ireland particularly. One Irish donor wrote on their GoFundMe page, Returning your kindness, 170 years and 4,000 miles later. You see, it sort of works that way, doesn't it? I'm sure as you sit in the pew this morning and as you listen to my voice by live stream that there's been some point in your life where you needed some help. Sometimes some real financial help. And that person or that group appeared and minister to you, and now we are called at a later point in our life to see those around us that are hurting and in need. I shared with you uh, many years ago about I received a letter here at the church of a family that was in need at Christmas time, and several of our families here in this church saw that need and went and ministered to that need. And that lady, some 20 years later, appears at our church office. And she made a financial contribution back to the church and said, take that money and help some family in need. We all know of that situation. Generosity doesn't depend on our resources, but what it depends upon is our hearts and our willingness to do the work of God wherever we are. In this text that we've read from here in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, Paul praises the generosity of the church at Macedonia. He uses their glowing example to challenge the church at Corinth as he says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. That's pretty tactful. Paul adds, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. In other words, we have seen that example many times before, and I'm not absolutely demanding that you do that, but we hope because of the love that wells up inside of you, because of the Spirit of the living God that has moved you, that you feel compelled to minister to other people as well. Paul's terms is a test of the sincerity of the love that we have for God. And I think that as we look at this passage, I want to offer some reasons why generous giving, sacrificial giving, is important in the spiritual life of the Christian. The first reason is the seductive nature of financial resources. Now, this is not a sermon against financial resources. It's just for a few moments talking about 
Uh, and I'll, I'll speak to that, wonderful things we can do with that, but there's something very dangerous about finances and our resources that we have. You see, there's been a lot of studies done on this, and they've determined, as a rule, the more you have, the harder it is for us to share. I think that's true. A Gallup poll confirmed that many of us uh, that they've observed for many years that donations to charities decrease as, in, as we find our income increases. The survey found uh, that love uh, sometimes doesn't always flow through us because we have more. That low and moderate income Americans, especially churchgoers, are more generous than upper income Americans. And that's not always true. Pastor Brian Kluth tells of his friend, Don, who was a wealthy businessman who gives generously to those in need. And when Brian questioned Don about his giving, Don responded by saying this, It helps me to slay the dragon. He went on to explain that our greatest temptation is to believe that our happiness, that our identity can be found in buying newer, better, or more stuff. It's a picture of materialism that he's talking about as a dragon is to a faithful and generous giver. Every time uh, he said he wrote a check, he found himself giving to the work of the Lord, and he was having his sword uh, fighting against the dragon. Giving generously helps us slay the dragon of materialism, of pride, of greed, of self-centeredness. This stands between us and finding our true happiness and identity in God. So, as you see, giving is a spiritual question. For some of us, our very souls are at stake. Secondly, I'd say, that generous giving is critical to the spiritual life of a Christian as it changes people's lives. Many times in my ministry, throughout my ministry, people have come to the church or have called me on the phone or another church member has brought someone to the church. And it's a person that's in real need. And they said something like this, I was wondering if you might could help me with some of my bills. On Tuesday of next week, they're going to turn off my electricity. I've lost my job during the coronavirus. My health has gone bad. I don't have enough money to buy food for the children and also to put gas in my car, even to drive to work. My husband decided he no longer wanted to be a part of our family, and he's left me and the children, and I don't even know where he is. Those are the kinds of things I've heard in my ministry, and thank God through the church and giving individuals, we've been able to help people like that from time to time. And I know probably our minds are already going, well, some of these people don't really need help. There's a lot of people that do need help, too. And God appeals to us to help those who are hurting. British pastor C.H. Spurgeon was one of the most famous 
and influential pastors and preachers of the 1800s. In addition to the church ministry he had as the pastor, once each year he would try to raise money for the orphans. One year at a special service, a man approached Spurgeon and asked accusingly, Why, Mr. Spurgeon, I thought you preached for souls and not for money. And Spurgeon answered this way, Normally I do preach for souls and not for money, but my orphans can't eat souls. And if they did, my brother, it would take at least four the size of yours to give one of them a square meal. End of the story. Our giving is a spiritual matter simply because there are some things in the world that we need that to do with. We can help house the homeless and feed the hungry. We can send Bibles to new Christians in developing countries. We can provide counselors to young people who are in runaway shelters. We can build a beautiful place of worship to call secular people out of the world into this place to worship Him. Giving is a spiritual matter. First of all, because of that seductive nature of wealth. And secondly, because these are some things that only our finances can take care of. Finally, it's a spiritual matter because we worship a giving God. Do do we all take that in? Do we all wrap our arms around that? God's Son came here in the midst of our messes and our sin and our failures and our shortcomings as a perfect individual and lived and died on the cross for your sin and your sin and your sin and your sin and my sin and everybody in the world. All of their sins. That's a giving God. We come here today because of what He's done for us. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you through His poverty might become rich. He's not talking about financially rich. He's talking about spiritually rich. That's the kind of richness we should have. And if we have that kind of richness, the others take care of itself, don't they? Jesus gave up everything, came in the form of a man to show us unlimited, overwhelming riches of God, His love for us. We worship a giving God today. He says to us, there is only one way that we can truly be rich, and that is by our giving what we have and what we are. Christian author Randy Acorn writes, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why did he say that? I think the why is, in that statement, that when you keep what you have, yes, you'll be blessed. But the more you keep, the more you have, and the more uh, that you could spend on yourself. We all know that. But if you give, on the other hand, two people, we find, two entities are blessed. Both yourself 
in the person or the entity that you're giving to. People sometimes never discover that second blessing until they actually do it and have learned more and more that as we do it, that it becomes addictive because we see how we touch and we bless and our lives are enhanced as a result of it. We hold tightly on to what we have thinking there's some great virtue in that. There's not, my friends. I have pastored multi, multi-millionaires in my ministry. And I have pastored people who couldn't hardly buy food to put on the table. And I can tell you that being spiritually rich doesn't have anything to do with either one of those things. But rather it's our heart and our willingness to give to the Lord and to give to those around us that really does matter. God is love. And out of that overflowing love, God is continually giving good gifts and blessings to us. And God wants us to share in the joy of giving by giving generously to others. Love sets us free to be a blessing to other people around us. There are opportunities that we are able to encounter and see each day of our lives if we're willing to open our eyes to see that. Love for God and trust in God's blessings has set us free to be a blessing in the world. I know that for a fact because I have experienced it. I know that for a fact because I have been witness to it time and time again. I know that for a fact because I've been able to experience that personally with other people. My friend, there's nothing like it. It's it's a warm, fuzzy feeling for a reason because it comes from God Himself, the giver of all of life. Many years ago, there was a devastating flood that affected parts of California. And the president of the Gunnersville California Rotary Club received a letter from the president of the Rotary Club of Aderna, Africa. The letter read like this. In the spirit of Rotary International, a club even as poor as ours wishes to share this modest contribution from the members in response to the flood that has devastated your area. We trust this small contribution would display our solidarity with you in your time of grief. Enclosed was a check of $200. When you keep what you have, only you experience a blessing. When you give what you have to others, the blessing is multiplied and the joy overflows. What about you? Do you want to grow in your love for God and others? Do you want to know how overflowing joy and rich generosity can transform your life? The grace of giving, 
blesses other people. It blesses us. And yes, most importantly, it even blesses God. So let's do it. Amen? And amen. I didn't hear y'all's amen as much today. Y'all usually amen me pretty good at the end. I didn't hear those amens at the close today. But I hope that all of us understand what this passage says to us individually, what it says to us as a congregation, as a church, what it says to us in the society in which we live. May God bless you on this day. Well, today was a day that we were inviting people who would like to join the church to come, and we were going to do most of those in 1030, and we still are. But I know we have at least one individual that is here uh, that couldn't be at our 1030 service, but could be at our 830 service. And I want to ask Addie if you'd come forward at this time uh, for church membership. And I'm going to get you to stand up here so people can see and they can come by and speak to you. She, her real name is, is uh, Addison Daniel. She likes the name Addie. I found that out as I met with her, and this is her mother. And uh, we talked a couple weeks ago. Her grandmother was there. And she uh, came talking about how God was, had touched her heart and how she wanted to accept Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior and to be a candidate for baptism. And I was delighted to hear her story and, and to be able to talk with her, and we had a prayer together as she invited Christ into her heart. So she comes on a profession of faith and is a candidate for baptism this morning. What's your pleasure in receiving Addie into our fellowship? All in favor, please sing by saying aye. All opposed likewise, and so carried in. We're delighted. I'm going to try not to hug you too much because of all this social distancing, but we're so glad for your decision. And, uh, and to be honest with you, I hadn't seen her a lot since the coronavirus. I couldn't hardly rat. She's grown up so much. She's gotten taller than you, hasn't she? And, uh, but boy, what a good day it is. You know, we're, we're told that uh, there's celebration in, in heaven and, uh, with the angels of those who come to know the Lord. And so there's celebration within our congregation. I know before you leave out, you want to come by and just speak to her. Let her know how, how grateful you are that she's joined this morning. Uh, we're going to be baptizing next week, and she'll be a part of that anywhere from 12 to 15. We've got them stacked up uh, pretty deep next Sunday in our 1030 service. It won't be in our 830 service, but we invite you to be, even if you come to the 830 to come to our 1030, we'll do it at the beginning of the service. Would you please stand as we'll have a closing word of prayer, please? Please come by and, and speak to her. Uh, thank you again for all who have helped uh, with uh, our auction that's going on. We still need some volunteers, still need some help. Thank you. Continue to pray for those on our prayer list. We've got, we got a lot of sick people, got a lot of things coming up with people. Be in prayer for them. Thank you for your card ministry. Thank you for uh, sending um, uh, your uh, thoughts and prayers with them through various ways. Join me as we pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for walking along with us during these days. We thank you for Addie and you coming to her through your spirit and calling her into a deep relationship with you. And we just pray, Father, that uh, you bless her in all of her years, and we thank you for her family. We ask, O oh Lord, 
that you would help us to find ways in which we can minister to those in our community and those around us. Help us to get outside of ourselves and to understand it's in our giving to others who are around us that we really receive blessing. Walk along with us uh, to know your work and your will and not just to know it intellectually, but that we'll do it with our hearts in action. For us in the precious name of Christ our Lord we make this prayer. Amen. Christy will be at the back if you need tickets for the auction.